This is PJ Ewing. You are listening to Lester the Nightfly on some great radio station somewhere at some time of day or night. The vision, Jen, was at night, but now it seems to run at all different times. Jen, who's Jen? Jen is Jen Ayers, and Jen Ayers is our guest this week and next week. We're going to learn all about you, my dear, your music, what's going on this fall with a new record, uh, all the stories that you want to tell us. Welcome to Lester the Nightfly. Thank you so much, PJ. <laughs> We've been talking about this for a while, and now we're, we're doing an yeah. interview. Before we even know who you are and what you do, we're going to hear a little bit of your music, and then we're going to put it into context, okay? So we're going to listen to a brand new song from you that was released just this summer. It's part of your new record. It is called Whistleblower. Let's let everyone in on it. We're all going to hear a little bit of Jen's work, and then we're going to talk about it.
Okay, Jen, that was a track from your new record. It's called Whistleblower. Tell me about you. We all want to know what, what's your world like? What are you doing? Who are you? <laughs> that, that's a really big it's question. A big question. Yeah, I know. Wow. <laughs> you can pick any part of that and oh, run God. with it. Well, there'd be a lot to say, I guess. I am a piano player, songwriter, singer, mom, wife, daughter, person living here in Seattle. I was also the president of the PTA at my son's elementary school at one point. Really? That's a lot of responsibility. It's a lot think. of responsibility. So yeah. right now I'm focusing more on trying to get my, uh, this project done that I've been working on for years. And the project is She Said. Before we get into it, though, family, brothers, sisters, where you grew up, tell us about that stuff. I'm an only child and I grew up in Wisconsin. I was the kid that never stopped singing. I sang all the time. I have visions of roller skating up and down my street with this little red transistor radio that I had. And I knew the words to every song, singing, loudly singing. Um, I, so I don't know, singing's probably even deeper in my core of something that I feel I need to do. It's like this innate primal thing, but I have visions of childhood of this little upright piano and my, my singing with my, my transistor radio and my love of AM radio. I'm with you. hundred percent. What was the station? Do you recall? Was there a certain station? You know, we had WKTI and, you know, the little pop station growing up. I guess I lived in Wisconsin until I was 18. We had the Big Eight. It was a super-powered station, the Big Eight, a AM 800, I think it was. And I had my transistor radio. I think mine was yellow. More music, CKLW, the Big Eight. Tell us a little bit about uh, Whistleblower and maybe about the record at the same time. So um, my husband um, realized about eight years ago came to the realization that um, he was transgender. This was surprising. We've been together for, we met the first day of college. We met the first day of our freshman year of college wow. at orientation. Where, what school? Um, um, Washington University Got in it. St. Louis. Okay. He's from Baltimore and I'm from Wisconsin and we, we met in St. Louis. After we graduated, moved to Seattle and then did music and had this life and got married and had a little boy. So, I mean, we've been together almost over 20 years. And so I turned to my music to explore, cope, ask questions, get out emotions, figure stuff out and wrote a bunch of songs and then started working with uh, this a wonderful creative a friend of mine, Daryl Connors, who's actually directing the show now. And she said, you have a, you have a story here. You have more than just your songs. These songs are so good, but this story is important. And, um, you know, Graham and I are still together and we have sort of just taken this, you know, our, we had this little curveball thrown into our life. And so life 
pivoted, but in that process, I used my art to kind of just process and make sense of stuff. And then realize there are all these universal themes within this particular story as well about compromise and commitment and love and individuation and change. Then the pandemic hit. I had the luxury of time to work with this wonderful producer and musician, Jeff Fielder, and we did the album first. These songs came to life in a way that I could not, I mean, I'm so happy with how they came to life because it's, you know, it's you and a piano and a voice and my little demos on, you know, on Logic in my basement to see them evolve and hear them evolve. And then we just kept going. So now the whole production, which, you know, this theater production of sort of monologues, we call it like a combination. It's like a one woman, eight person show. It's like a little bit of like glam rock and <laughs> live band and this wonderful boylesque dancer performer who's kind of my performance partner in it and a little bit of Cirque and the Moth all rolled into one. <laughs> wow. Wow. And so, yes, I've created this hybrid rock opera extravaganza, I guess, called She Said. So I find myself walking down the street I never know who I'm gonna meet Looking up at the people staring loud Wishing they'd keep the whistle blowing Down, 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 down Who am I to you? What makes you think? It's really exciting. It's it's pretty amazing when you real you you know realize wow it's you know this thing has been seven or eight years in the making you know slow process of of exploration and creativity and bringing wonderful creatives around me into the project and taking our time, which is something that I think in my past musical endeavors I was always so like we gotta go we gotta get on the road we gotta do the next thing we gotta get the next gig write the next song and that didn't always serve me or our band as much i think as the luxury of just a little bit of time and it's hard when you're you know you're driven and you're passionate and you want to do it all and you don't want to like miss a beat it's really really easy to just plow ahead but Wow, it's been amazing to have the time to just let this thing breathe and evolve and attract the right people and contributions and then be able to try to in enjoy it, enjoy sharing it. Graham co-wrote it or did you write no, this thing? So I, I, this is my story. It's my story with, with Graham's permission and blessing. Gotcha. We're so close and we're creatively close so you know graham's the first person i come home from the studio working on the record like okay hear this what do you think what did you know so graham's constant input and support and contributions but probably more as a partner although 
there's two songs on the record that Graham co-wrote and wrote more of than me and sang on them as well. I heard that. Yeah. And so, yes, in a way together, because it's important that this story have Graham's support and permission. I wouldn't have done it otherwise. And yet it's, you know, it's the story from my viewpoint of being Graham's partner and being an artist, you know, because what the Mm -hmm. theater show will also convey is that artistic process. So some things I'm telling the audience about this, something that happened, and then they're watching this song come to life around that experience. I think your initial question was about Whistleblower and its place in this whole project. And it, and well, where I got to that kind of that, that idea of, okay, even in the show, in this theater show that we're producing, where the audience, I hope will experience my internal world. And then also at times the external world. And that's kind of what Whistleblower is about. I mean, it may start with that idea of, you know, as a woman, I walk down the street, you know, it is very common to hear comments and whistles and different things. You know, people just feel that they can comment on whatever it is, you know, I'm presenting as, as a person moving through the world. Most of the time that's unwanted, but the larger question there is, how do we choose to present ourselves in the world each moment? How are we then perceived? And is the way that we move through the world always the same? Is it sometimes different? Might we dressed a certain way or we're not dressed a certain way? And then does that garner the same reaction? And what is it like for a trans woman moving through the world? That just happens when we go out from our house and we're out in the world, we may be perceived a certain way. And then we also have choices about how how we want to present ourselves. Who do we want to be today? What do we want to talk about? What do we want to wear? How, How do we want to engage at this party? All those different faces that we as humans have, how we put ourselves out there, and then what is the response back? There is a music video uh, out there on YouTube for Whistleblower, right? Which is super clever. If you want to see it, you can go to the website, my website, lesterthanifly.com. There will be a, an embedded YouTube video there to take a look at it. But you can just search um, your YouTube channel, right? Just Is it under your name, Jen Ayers? Yeah, Jen Ayers Music. I think it's like JGG Ayers or something, but it is titled Jen Ayers Music. Are you familiar with The Bird and the Bee? The The artists, The Bird and the Bee? No, I'm not. Oh, wow. Oh, you're going to educate me. This is going to be good. Yeah, no, you'll really like The Bird and the Bee. Oh, I'm writing this down. Go to Spotify and do the the top five to ten tracks. You'll find a a little bit of a loungy, a little less rock and roll, but but, um, melodically just gorgeous. Yeah, that's a good one.
off in the back of your car I wanna be cool, wanna be cruel I wanna be the girl that you wanted in high school I wanna be bold, wanna be clever I wanna feel this way forever Yeah, I never stopped singing. I was in bands in my teens, early 20s. I sang in choir in high school and did music theater. And then, you know, I started a band out here with my husband um, in Seattle. I moved to Seattle in the early 90s when everything was exploding here. And you know, came out with a dream to start a band and make music and be in a place where music was happening and there was stuff going on. And looking back on the 90s, did you hit that dream? Did you live that life? Was it what we all imagine being a rocker (laughs) kind of thing? (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah. You know, it's really interesting. The journey of figuring out how to be a creative, be an artist, be a musician, and, and actually figure out how to put, you know, create and then put yourself out into the world. So I would say, I, you know, Graham and I, my husband spent a lot of time in our 20s with our band trying to figure out like, well, God, we'll make it if we just hit this stage. If we just play the crocodile in Seattle, this will be great. And then we would do that. And then, okay, it'd be great if we could just play this festival. And then we'd you know, you do your thing and you write your songs and you meet people and you're out and about and then you play that festival. And then we did this crazy thing when we finally were like, you know, record companies aren't coming to calling. So one of our producers said, just do it, go out on the road, do it, just go do it. And so we did. We quit our jobs and we booked a bunch of shows and we started touring all the time. And it's funny, every time that we would think, oh, this is too hard, this isn't working, you know, we have no money, then like, oh, we got like a showcase at a college circuit. And then we got $30,000 in contracts to play all these colleges. And then we'd keep going and we'd buy a bigger rig and put out another record. And it was pretty great. It was also really hard. Yeah, it's a tough (laughs) life. And I say that like, I I know, I don't know. I don't know how hard, but I believe you. And it sounds really hard. It sounds draining on a Tuesday morning in the rain and somewhere where you're like, we got a show tomorrow. We got to travel. We got to, I mean, I could just imagine the stuff in between the glory of being on stage has got to be really, really tricky. Yes. But sometimes on a Tuesday morning, you're sitting on a beach in California and it's pouring rain and gloomy in Seattle. Good point. You know, good point. Well, I was half empty. You're half full on that example. That's I love right. that. Try to be. I try to be, PJ. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to just cuz Jen curveball boom right now. Give me a song from those early days that you love or two. Well, well we, I'd love to hear some of that work cuz we're not going to really play that. That's not on your playlist that you've graciously put together for us for our shows. But give me something from those early days that we can listen to. Oh my God. Well, I would love to share one of those. So I would say the song Senator. 
from our band Honey Tongue. My art isn't killing you, the excuse you try to find in my movie. Mr. Manson trying to shock you into feeling, but how can you blame him for lack of believing? Cause now the children are Jen Ayers, she's got a new record with her husband. It's got all kinds of stuff going on around it, and I can't wait to dive into that. We just heard Senator from uh, the band Honey Tongue. About when did that come out, Jen? 2000. Okay. 
Well, it was written right after the Columbine shootings, which at the time, you know, were not happening every day. (laughs) I am most driven to create and write songs when I'm trying to make sense of things, the world around me. And because we were a touring band, we ended up working with people in Colorado and some organizations in Columbine to do some awareness work and education around gun violence. And um, so it's a pretty, it's an important song to me. When you were writing that, was it, I hear the melody or I can write the words, which was the beginning of that? Sometimes for me on piano, it kind of happens simultaneously. I might start with just a chord and it, a chord progression it goes somewhere and i start to vocalize over it and then the vocals and the playing on the piano um do this little dance and i hear what will happen is i'll start to sing and then i hear what i want the next chord to be and so sometimes i have to find the chord it's like in my head and then you know and and then sometimes the the chord progression takes over and i end up changing the vocal or whatever but it's when it comes really fast like that, it's really fluid. That it just sort of all gets mushed together and I, it's quite a process. Do you know you're onto something at that moment? You're like, this is good. This, is, this feels good, that kind of thing? You know, I think so. I, I use some kind of recording device when I feel like I'm onto something and I just start recording mm-hmm. so that I don't lose it. Because I've had times where, you know, I'll get up in the middle of the night and I'm onto something and then I've... I lose it in the morning. You know, it's like those sort of intuitive things, those things that come from your non-thinking brain. Mm. I coach vocals and vocalists and I I tell them that a lot, you know, as when you go to perform a song, like we can sit here all day, we learn all the technique, we talk about it, we think about it, we do these warm-ups and we figure out how to find our our best voice. But when it's time to perform or when it's time to create, you need to pop into that other side of your brain that doesn't think. It just channels. Hmm. And that's where the best performances come. And I think that's where the best songs get written from, mm-hmm. from that place. I do want to hear something from your playlist. The first one is Ricky Lee Jones on Saturday afternoons in 1963. And I ended up going to one of the, what are the lyrics mean websites? And I was looking at all the comments and it, it's, it's childhood. It's a moment in time. I don't think anyone fully feels they understand the lyrics. Uh, it's just a sublime melody. And thank you. I had never heard it before. <gasps> really? Truly. Yeah. And it's I mean, just. This is a song that brings me to tears when I hear it. I, like the hair on my arms stands up. I adore Ricky Lee Jones, but this song just gets me. Most is your Bye. 
stay inside this foolish grin Though any day your secret's in Then again years may burn Years may go by So it is absolutely beautiful. I understand the tears. And I, I was reading comments again uh, about it. And people said the same thing. They said, I don't know exactly what she's saying, but there's a feeling and I was crying and it took me back to my youth and moments that each listener had in sunlit rooms when they were five, vague strands of memory. It was, it was a very evocative piece, this thing. Yeah. It's a, like a loss of innocence and just, it's beautiful. Really, it's really beautiful. lovely. So Ricky Lee Jones yeah. you then sent me down a list though. Yeah. And then I, I, I started listening to more and more Ricky Lee Jones and we can't, please let us, Jen, can we play a couple more Ricky Lee Jones oh my God, while we're here? <laughs> so I picked two of them. I don't know if you would have picked these, but you got the first pick. This is my turn. I I'm going to go. Okay. Um, and that is Chucky. We've got to listen to Chucky's in love. Okay. And, and by the way, I was watching the, the live, poorly recorded live versions in 79. They're worth watching because she's just so engaging, even with a poor, poorly recorded, just amazing. I've seen her so many times. And the ah. first time I saw her was at Carnegie Hall. Oh, wow. Which was incredible. And at festivals with Taj Mahal. And then she did these, um, and, and intimate venues here in Seattle, but she did these concerts during the pandemic from her living room on Facebook that, you know, saved my life. I would Sunday morning, it'd be like, she'd do like Sunday brunch. And, you know, grandma and I would sit around, we put her on the television and stream it, you know, mirror it and have Sunday morning with Ricky Lee in her living room. Her partner is on the radio with me in, in our station in Asheville, oh, in uh, WPVM. So I know I've never met Ricky Lee Jones, but I know her partner is a fellow oh. DJ and one station that I, I'm on. Oh. So let's listen to Chuck E's in love. And then we're going to move right into another one, which is called Night Train. Uh, two beautiful tracks from Ricky Lee Jones. Me. Down at the meter, no more and 
those or would you have gone other directions you know ricky lee jones way better than me yeah i would have picked flying horses really one of my picks yeah there's also a bunch of the album pirates and hmm. flying horses kind of are part of my dna now <laughs> those two records well and the first one that was a college record to some degree for me mm -hmm. i never got past it so all i knew of was chucky's in love i mean just very limited and now I want to go deep into the catalog. So I have to do all three of those records, I think. Oh, yes, you do. Like. And beyond. Yeah. And beyond. Yeah. She was feeling 1972. Grooving to a carol king tune. Is it too late, baby? Is it too late?
listening to PJ Ewing, Jen Ayers, It's Lester the Nightfly. We're talking about music, uh, Jen's new record coming up. But right now, we just heard a marvelous song called 1972, Josh Rouse. And uh, where, how do you know this artist? Where did you get this one? Graham and I learned about Josh Rouse from the library. Hmm. Graham got, they, they have, this was years ago, you could, um, take out CDs the same way you took out books. And he brought Josh Rouse's 1972. It's the name of the album also home. And we put it on and we fell in love with this record and we could not get enough of it. And then bought the record. And then like that summer, just listened to it like on repeat. It just, it moved us. It spoke to us again, sort of that. It was that throwback. I'm kind of obsessed with the seventies. <laughs> um, and it's that, that throwback of, and I, you know, incorporating a lot of that in my, in my new work as well, this sort of seventies soul and seventies soul pop meets my rock and roll spirit. It's kind of how I would describe it. And Josh Rouse is just a masterful songwriter and the production on his music is incredible. And this record, you feel like you just climbed into the 70s. I and mean, you feel like this would have been one of the records we would have been listening to on our transistor radios, you know. Um, and I love, in like the first verse, um, he's talking about different people, you know, kind of just maybe lost in the world with no future. But the first, first character he speaks of in this song is, you know, groove into a Carol King tune. You know, and Tapestry was one of the albums I grew up listening to in my house. My mom played it all the time. And, you know, no surprise, here's, you know, Carol King and her piano and her amazing voice. And um, I really related um, to that record and, and just, you know, just the whole vibe. And like I said, the production here is like incredible. So I know of this artist, Josh Rouse, and in and it was, I, I didn't, when, when I heard it, I'm like, wait a minute, familiar, what, 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 what? But 2020, he came out with a Christmas record, a holiday record. He did? And I obsessed over a song called New York Holiday, one of the best holiday songs I've ever heard. It's a picture of New York City. It, the, the words, the, the structure of the song, Rockefeller Center skating, it is the most beautiful thing. It's not Christmas time. Let's hear 60 seconds, just so you know what I'm talking about right now. And then, then you're going to save it for the holidays. Okay. Really coming down. Looks so pretty. On the avenues. Got money to spend. Saving up dimes, nickels and pennies A weekend away with some friends Here we are, let's spend it together Your color That was Josh Rouse, just a little piece of New York Holiday. 
uh, from 2020. I love this record. I've included it on Christmas shows already. Wow. Jen, that's my present to you because it, it, you're going to love it. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah, it's good. All right. So that's Josh Rouse. Um, we're making some progress on our list. Um, yeah. Let's go to you, though. This is called Forever Love next. Let's hear it and then we'll talk about it. is Jen Ayers from this new record, new production, new show called She Said. It's called Forever Love. What's going on with this one? You know, this song takes place in our in our production. It's one of the first tunes and it sort of sets the stage of 
the characters, if we want to call them, of this, which is Jen and Graham, uh, for all intents and purposes. This is kind of cool. Like when I was first working on figuring out the song journey of how I'm going to tell these stories, right? Our son was born to a Stevie Wonder song called I Believe. I believe when I fall in love this time, it'll be forever. One of my favorite songs. My son happened to be born when that one came on. Gorgeous. Which was so perfect. And so I used I Believe as a placeholder when I was in the early days of workshopping my project. And when I got into the studio with Jeff to work on the album and start recording, he's like, yeah, but you you know, we, we need an original here. And I was like, you're right. And I had this nugget of a song idea that came from sessions where Graham and my son and I, and our son was about three or four, our son would come and sit with us. Graham would play guitar and I'd play piano. And then we'd find a riff and a chord progression. And our son would start to just sing, vamp, make stuff up. And we recorded it. And it was this little song that went like, I fell, I really fell in love with you across the moon and the stars and all this stuff. I was like so inspired. So from the vibe that Stevie Wonder gives me, and I believe, and from this innocent, like hooked into the creative universe child who came up with some little simple, brilliant lyrics, I wrote Forever Love, which is our love song that helps our audience and our album listener see that, hey, this couple is in love, it's forever. Nothing's going to tear us apart. And then, you know, life throws you a curveball. In the story, and I know you've had about a billion conversations about this evolution of your relationship and Graham, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I just see you on talk shows. Uh, I see the book. Uh, I don't know if you'll ever go down that path. <laughs> it's obviously a personal story, but you're interpreting it in some fashion here in the show and the record. But it's absolutely fascinating. The fact that you persevered, that's the wrong word. The fact that you organized life, that you sorted, that you adjusted life, it's, it's a remarkable thing for, for everybody concerned in your family. Yeah. And it's an accomplishment and it's worthy of note. And I'm, I'm hoping that in my little corner of the world that you know, this record opens up the, the possibility that I think might have been closed if someone uh, announces something that's sort of momentous, it, it can be a, a, a closed door, not an open door. And you've obviously taken that that open approach. It's amazing. Really amazing. Thank you so much. Wow.
I feel so fortunate to be here, to hear Jen's story, to share it with you, to hear some terrific new music, get the story down, and to hear really someone speaking from the heart in her words and in her music. This is such a joy to do. I cannot wait for you to join me next week. We do part two of two parts of this show with Jen Ayers, celebrating the new record she said and her tour. What fun we're having. I'll see you again next week here on Lester the Nightfly. has been a PJ DJ production.